Hi everyone, welcome to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry of Lake Mount Worship Center, and we are on a mission to connect young adults to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We meet every Monday night at 7 p.m., and we'd love to have you join us. You can find more information on our socials, but in the meantime, we hope you enjoy the message for this week. to our media crew, you guys, every week. Okay, so if you clap now, you got to sign up for the media crew. Okay? I saw you. I saw you clappers. <laughs> All right. Welcome to LYA. I say it like that because the other way I'm just bound to swear. So I just stay safe. Stay safe over here. All right. My name's Lisa, if you haven't uh, met me yet, um, and it's your first time, I am the assistant pastor here. My husband and I are pastoring here. We've been here for 20 years. His name's Matt. He's typically speaking, um, but sometimes he lets me talk. Just kidding. It's real, though. <laughs> he's a lot of a talker. <laughs> I always love when he's like, let's go for a drive. I'm like... I know what this means. I'm just going to look out the window and hear all your thoughts. It's pretty much how it goes, right? Who here loves to communicate? Like, you just love to talk. I want to see your hands, actually. Okay. Okay, where are my quiet ones? Okay, so I'm going to just like pre-help the relationship series. If you're not dating somebody and you're a talker, sometimes a quieter person's really helpful. <laughs> sometimes when you're a quiet person, a talker's really helpful because they can pull your feelings out and just help you communicate. So sometimes that's how it works, but sometimes not. Sometimes you get two talkers, um, but there's a lot of talking then. All right, um, I just wanted to say that tonight, um, the word that Jocelyn gave tonight is really important, and I have a, a sermon ready, and I'm going to go there, but we're just going to pause on that for a minute, because I had a picture of an orange in someone's hand, and you bit into it, and the skins are really bitter, if you've ever bitten into an orange they're bitter, okay? But if you are peeling an orange, it's a lot of work to peel an orange, to get into it. But oranges are really sweet at the right time when they're ripe, right? So the word that Jocelyn was giving of Joseph had God with him the whole time. God's hand was on him in every season. And as North Americans, we have to be pretty much reminded every day that our worst seasons in God, he's still with us. We have to be reminded because sometimes we're like kicking ourselves, blaming ourselves, blaming others. We think God has abandoned us and it's literally a season where you're ripening. You're ripening in front of the Lord and in his presence and don't bite into what he's promised you before due time. Because you'll get a bitter taste in your mouth. And that wasn't God's intention. He's good. His word says to taste and see that I'm good. Okay? If you're trying to taste of him and it feels bitter, try again. Get to the good stuff. Don't just eat around it. Get into it. Because there's something good in there. So... I just want to pray into that because I feel like there's someone in this room that you have been going through it. And I feel the compassion of the Lord for you that you tonight that he's just going to lift your head. Like I need you to look at me. I need you to lock eyes with me while you walk through this season. And that may be more than one person, but there's definitely the compassion of the Lord for someone in this room. That what you're walking through is not out of God's hand. 
If you're in that in this room, in that room, if you're in this room and that's not for you, I actually just want you to pray for that person. Because tonight there might be a miracle that's taking place in their heart. Okay? So, Father, I just thank you right now that you are on assignment to heal the brokenhearted. Father, I thank you that when you come and you bind up the brokenhearted, Father, you actually mend what's in there. And so, Father, I ask that tonight, God, that you would come and be the lifter of the head that cannot raise their head anymore. The strength is actually gone. There's just like a weariness. Father, I ask that in this season that they feel like they're in prison, they feel like it's bitter, that, God, you would come and you would let them taste and see that you are good. Father, I ask for the miraculous turnaround of taste to change, God, body, soul, and spirit, that the taste of you would change, that the perspective would change, that the truth would be released tonight by the power of the Holy Spirit, because that's what your Holy Spirit does. It brings truth. So, Father, I ask where the enemy has tried to wear this person out. God, I ask for the compassion of your heart and your affection to bring your strength where they are weak. God, that there'd be a literal transfer tonight where there's weakness, they'd know your strength. They'd know the strength of their heart is you and that you're their portion forever. And so, Father, I ask that tonight you would just continue to work in that heart and life. And, Father, that they would grab hold of what you're offering, that they will taste and see that you are good. And so, Father, we just say yes and amen to your plans and purposes there. Amen. Amen. All right. I have 26 minutes. And I will do it. All right. All right. So calling. We've been doing a series on calling. Have you guys enjoyed it? Okay. I was going to do a little quiz. Like tell me all of them. But don't have time. So that's your homework. <laughs> I want to see next week like t-shirts made with calling. It was Jonah. Heard it? Yep, saw. Yep, it's good. You guys got to go back and read your notes, how you grow. Okay? I just want to say that in calling, if we don't understand calling, that's fine. We can get there. What we need to understand is that everyone is born with a purpose. Okay? What our world loves to say is that you need to find it and uh, you'll get there. And it's like this meditative state of finding your purpose. I just want to say your purpose was formed in you before God knew you. It was already there. Before I knew, before I formed you, I knew you. It's a biblical standard. Before I formed you, I knew you. Why? Because he knew he needed purpose from your life. Every moment that we have breath, we have purpose inside the breath. You are not just wandering here. You are not just putting in nine-hour days at work. You're not just getting a paycheck. You're not just finishing school. You're not just getting a career and then getting a family. There is purpose that is God-given behind everything that you do. Okay? If you haven't known that and if you've refused that, I want tonight for there to be like an absolute change in your mind of, I was made for a purpose. I want there to be like a burning passion when you wake up tomorrow going, I have a purpose today. Okay? You have a purpose. Tonight, you might have a purpose to meet somebody in this room that opens a door to something. Okay? I don't, I'm not saying marriage. I'm saying it could be a, a lifelong friendship. It could be a lead to a job. It could be that somebody's going to walk with you like you've never been walked with before. Tomorrow when you get up and go to work, you could change somebody's life because there's purpose in your life. Okay? I might be just be talking to myself, but I'm getting blessed. Okay? Purpose. I'm going to get some people saved here tomorrow at work. It's going to be awesome. And I'm going to tweet about it. <laughs> Pastor Matt got saved. It was so awesome. <laughs> okay. I'll tell him I said that and bleep it out of the podcast. Okay? 
So this series that we've been doing on calling helps us see that there's purpose, right? If you're tracking back through your notes, go read. Where is their purpose? Where has God come into a life, absolutely changed it, and then the trajectory of their life is like, there's purpose in it. Okay? I can say for my own life that when God interrupted my life, he gave me purpose. Not just an encounter with him, which is awesome, but he gave me purpose. Okay? Even in my deepest pain, he's given me purpose. There's an assignment of purpose that we need to attach to the call of God on our life. Okay? You guys, theme verse, Esther 4.14. I'm going to read it for you because I don't even know if you guys know what it says. It says, Mordecai sent this reply to Esther, who is a queen in the Bible. It says, don't think for a moment that because you're in a palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. Okay, don't let that phrase just like move past you. What if God raised you up for such a time as this? He did. I'll answer it. It's not hypothetical. He did. And what if it's for deliverance? What if it's for your relatives? What if it's for your family? What if it's for your people? It is. There's a purpose on your life. Okay? So your purpose is linked to your obedience. Okay, here's where we kind of get off the rails sometimes. We, we talk about purpose and destiny and isn't this awesome and God's just going to do it for you. And no, he's not. He's going to give it to you and see what you're going to do with it. Okay, your purpose is linked to your obedience. And if that sounds wearisome, I just want to encourage you tonight that God can refuel and restation how we think about purpose. It is not heavy slugging to obey the Lord. I promise you. Faithfulness can at times cost you, yes, but you have a rich reward in obedience, okay? You should know who you are and what you're made for, okay? I don't mean like just vocational work because everybody's going to ask you when you're 17, what are you doing with your life? I don't know, I'm 17, I just finished writing my algebra exam that I think I flunked. Like, I don't know what I'm doing with the rest of my life. That's okay. But there is a purpose in your life that can be settled in your heart. And by that, I mean, if you're a woman, I am a woman of God who's going to live with integrity, have great friends, steward my finances well, treat men awesome, treat women like they're not my competition. I'm going to be a classy woman all the way through life, no matter what I do vocationally. Okay? If you're a man, you can do the man part of that. Okay? But seriously, why does it always have to be about your job? Have a purpose. No matter what I do, I know who I'm going to be. So I could be anybody. No, I can't. <laughs> what I meant to say was I could do anything and still be the same person because there's purpose in me. I would still praise the Lord all day long. I would still tell of his great fame. You can't take that purpose from me because it's implanted inside of me. No matter what I do, if I'm flipping fries or running a company, or I'm a pastor. It's all the same purpose. I've been called for such a time as this. Okay? So of you. You need to know who you are, what you were made for, purpose. Okay? You need an encounter with the reality of Jesus to know your purpose. You don't have purpose outside the reality of Jesus. What did he save you for? What did he set you free from? There's some markers in our life that sometimes we, okay, so let's use Joseph because we've talked about him already, okay? Joseph went through a ton of struggle, right? 
Just follow me. I need some interaction, you guys. It's dark, and it's almost 9 o'clock, and it's February, and there's no sun. <laughs> just kidding. Um, so just interact with me. Just give me, like, happy eyes or, like, angry eyes. Just do something that's interactive, okay? Thank you. All right, so Joseph, he's in, sold into slavery. Then he's in prison. Thank you. I love this. Okay. Now, what did Joseph do when he went to Potiphar's house? Ran the house. Okay. What did he do for Pharaoh? Ran the house. And then ran the country. Okay. For the guy. Okay. What was God doing in the darkness in his life? He was creating him to be a deliverer of the very people that had sold him into slavery, put him in prison, and falsely accused him. Now, I'm going to go back into that same arena and provide food and freedom for you. Okay? So wherever you struggle in life, do not think your purpose isn't in there. It's probably attached to it. What the enemy tries to nag at you and try to catch you off guard, just pay attention. Is there an anointing here? Is there an annoyance that I bring to the enemy that I'm actually born for deliverance? Is there anything on my life that I need to pay attention that there might be some purpose in there? Okay? Esther. She paid attention. Her beauty, for heaven's sakes. That's how much purpose you have, that God would use your face. God will use your face to bring kingdom change. Whatever you offer to him, he will use. Okay. Do you have a belief system that has no purpose? You can write that question down. A little bit of my teacher mode there. Write that one down for your homework. Do I have any systems of belief that, I, that keep me powerless? I have no purpose somehow. I'm not in control. Okay. If you have, you need to talk to somebody about that. Mainly Jesus. Mainly Jesus. I need an encounter with the truth of Jesus and his presence so that I become immovable in my purpose. Okay? Yes, share it with your friends, but go to Jesus first. Okay? If I could tell you anything in your generation is you need a dependence on God, and that doesn't mean coming to church on Sunday and Monday. That means as soon as I have an issue, I go to God. I'm looking for his voice. I'm looking at his word. I'm not checking my mood. I'm checking him. Is this a big deal to you? Get prayer support, yes. But if that's your first thing, I got to go tell my friends, that's your source of strength. And if your friends are taken out from your life, you could totally equate your friends and God in the same boat. So don't do that. Okay? Sorry, I'm moving fast. All right. So a believer is entry level in the kingdom. I believe in God. That's good. Okay? Becoming a follower is where you're going to embrace kingdom purpose that God gave you for your life. Okay? The dif difference between I just believe, I believe God died on the cross, I believe God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, I believe in heaven and hell, I believe I'm saved. There is a difference between a believer and a follower, and a follower has embraced kingdom purpose. I'm embracing that I have a purpose on my life. Okay? I'm sorry. When I get hyper, I say K a lot. I don't know why. Thank you. Thank you. You're so supportive. We'll talk later. All right. <laughs> so another question. What holds you back from your purpose? Okay, so you might have had three things hit your head right there. Those are true. 
even if you didn't like the answer. Okay? Could be the person sitting beside you. <laughs> but don't look at them right now. It's a conversation for later. Okay? Is it fear? Is it intimidation? Is it a lack of belief, insecurity, pride, finances? What is it? What holds you back from your purpose? Soul-searching question, okay? Tonight we're going to look at Elisha, the calling of Elisha, because this guy is magnificent, okay? Just magnificent, and I'm going to read his calling, because this is why he's magnificent, okay? We hear nothing of Elisha before this moment, other than, like, a few scriptures before that, God told Elijah to go get him. Okay, so if you need to close your eyes and picture this, this is totally cool with me. 1 Kings 19, 19 to 21 says, Elijah left there and found Elisha, son of Shabbat. That's how I say it. As he was plowing. Can you picture him now? Elisha, the dude. Is plowing. That's how he's found. Twelve teams of oxen were in front of him, and he was with the twelfth team. Elijah walked by him and threw his mantle over him. Elisha left the oxen, ran to follow Elijah, and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. Go on back, he replied, for what have I done to you? So he turned back from following him, took the team of oxen, and slaughtered them. With the oxen's wooden yoke and plow, he cooked the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he left, followed Elijah, and served him. Okay, again, we have nothing on Elisha before here. Dude shows up, <laughs> throws a mantle on him. And he's like, yeah, can I just go kiss my mom and dad? And he's like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done this. Elijah's like totally regretting his decision right away. Elisha's pumped. He slaughters all the oxen, cooks it up, and then gives it to all the people. He is absolutely stoked that Elijah has found him in the middle of a field. Okay, so let's just, so, so setting is everything. Okay, Elijah left there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. Okay, he was a very wealthy man. Elijah, Elisha was about to come into his own at his age and stage. He's working the land that he will inherit one day, which means he's going to be a well-off dude. Okay? He's clearly heard of Elijah, <laughs> loves that he put his mantle on him, and kisses him because he's saying, yes, I'm coming. I'm all into this, which means he's saying no to the riches. I'm saying no to this occupation that my parents thought I was going to do. Just let me go say bye to them. Okay, anyone in here ever feel pressured by your parents' wishes? No, you're all just gems. Okay, I did. Confession time. Okay. He goes, kills all his, sorry. It's just really funny when you think of it. He's like out in the field. He's changing careers in the middle of a field. Kisses a guy he doesn't know. And then kills all his dad's oxen. <laughs> like, this is going to go really well when I tell you that I'm quitting. Oh, P.S., you don't have those 12 oxen. <laughs> I fed it to all the people. They're super pumped. They're well fed. Like, it's not going well for me in this scenario for how you left. But, okay. So he's just making a speedy exit. So here's what Elisha is doing. He's making sure he has nothing to return to. It's all gone. 
I don't have a team to help me plow this field. I can't come back. The expectations, gone. The income, gone. The harvest, gone. Next year's supply, gone. It'll have to be someone else. Because I'm going this way. I just found my purpose. And it wasn't what the family told him it was. Okay. Elisha had built a great future serving his father. He did. He was faithful. They were wealthy. There's nothing wrong with what he was doing. Just God had a different plan for him. And he was great with it. So my first question, my first point, what if Jesus wants to wreck your plans? What if all your planning, all your great ideas, what if he actually just wants to come in and go, mm-mm, those are great plans. Okay, Proverbs 16, 9. Here's a biblical framework for that question. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Okay, your purpose, again, it's ingrained. There are things that we put in our hearts and our minds that are not bad things. But can God wreck it? Can he do it? Yes, he can. Are you going to allow him to if he wants to? Okay, a little of my story. I got like radically saved. I use that word. It's going to come around again now. Encountered God at 17, and I was literally a workaholic from the time I was 13. I know that sounds young, but you were allowed to work back then. It wasn't child labor. I freely signed up to work for $3.90 an hour. Yeah, that's how old I am. That sucked. I worked all week for $27. <laughs> I'm not eating anything. All right. So I worked from the time I was 13 to 15 at Tim Hortons, and I love working hard. Okay? Love it. I would get up and run in the morning, and I would go to high school, and I'd make sure that I told my counselor, the guidance counselor, they called them back then, I need fourth spare so that I can work 3 to 11. I became a shift manager at 15. I literally worked full time from the time I was 15 on. Okay, I had a rolling bank account because I was making 525 by then. Just call me sugar mama. Okay, <laughs> I was rolling in it. <laughs> yeah, don't call me that. I'll get in big trouble if you guys come up and say it. <laughs> okay, anyway, um, back on track. Okay, I had this inner drive to succeed. I wanted to, like, own a company, make money. That was my purpose because I wanted to have a killer home because I had some issues in my life from my childhood that made me feel like I need to be in control I need to strive, I need to protect myself, and I need to make things happen. That became my purpose in my life. It became my goal, and this is what I'm going to do. I was driven. When I encountered the Lord, he slowly started peeling this drivenness off of me, and I was like, I don't like this. I don't like this. I hate not working today. Because I'm going to church. That's great. I just lost 50 bucks. Everything started equating to me about money and losses. And then the Holy Spirit had to get a hold of my heart and be like, is money everything? And then that scripture, you can't serve God and money, was like, you're going to have some carpet time for about 10 hours and work on your issues. I was like, okay, I can try that. But can I run around? Will I do it? No, you're just going to sit here and work on it. And God literally ripped my heart apart and established the kingdom inside of me because I was convicted of doing it in my own strength. 
And I'll tell you that day he put his purpose inside of me. You're going to love my people. You're going to build my church. And I was like, there is not good money in ministry, Lord. And then I had five more hours of carpet time. (laughs) Back down. But what a privilege to have purpose. For the first time in my life, it wasn't my idea. It wasn't my plan. It was his way. And it felt so freeing. So freeing. Like, I don't have to make this happen. I don't need all this other stuff. I need you. I need you to speak to where I'm going and where I'm headed. And whatever earthly things I have, it doesn't matter. Because you're my provider. You're my protector. You're going to keep me safe. And I'm going to walk in your ways. Okay? That's just a little personal testimony that I stand here today not having had to not struggle through that. I did. I struggled through it. Because we all do. We want to be self-sufficient. It's awful. And it's sinful. And it keeps us from the heart of the Father that he wants to do those things for you and in you. And create in you a purpose that's eternal and unshakable. Okay? So, what if your dream's too small? Elisha's dream was too small. God had to tell Elijah to go get him. He's going to be a prophet. I don't want him plowing fields. I want him to kill all his oxen. And I'm going to get him to prophesy to a rebellious people. Okay, what if your dream's too small? Like Peter, what if Jesus wants to take your boat? What if, like Esther, God wants to use your lineage, your pretty face? What if, like Saul, he wants to take your influence and your mind and turn it for his kingdom? What if you're in a field like Elisha? Another thing about Elisha is he's a hard worker. In your calling and finding your purpose, don't stop working. Okay? God doesn't find lazy people. I'm just going to put it out there. Straight shot. He does not find lazy people. And at 21, you did not need a sabbatical. I'm just telling you, your life is just starting. It's not that bad yet. I threw in yet because, you know, you might need a sabbatical later. You do not need to rest at 21. You need to work. You need to work hard. And I don't mean drivenness. I don't mean striving. I don't mean making it happen. I don't mean I can't sleep. I can't eat. Rest in God, but work hard. Try to find a character in the Bible that God didn't call while they were moving. Just try. And if you say Eve, I'm going to give you one of these. We're working hard. Elisha is in a field plowing, sweating buckets. And Elijah Elijah shows up. He was working hard. Something we need to understand is like James 2. When it says faith without works is dead, that word there is, let me say it right, avade, which actually means works, which they can be kindness, but they're actually biblical, business-like, theological, good works. They can be just you are at work. Faith without works is dead. Why? Who are you interacting with if you have no work to do? Who are you affecting? Who are you impressing? I'm just going to give you another straight shot. If you're not working, you're impressing nobody. If all you do is sit down at home and game all day, mm, we need to talk. It's not anywhere near purpose. It's nowhere near, not even on the same page. 
not the same book, not the same planet. Your purpose will be found while you're working hard. It's how God calls people. Okay? It's called faithfulness. It's the only thing. Well, we have time. We have our talents. We have money. And we have faithfulness that we can steward here on earth. Faithfulness will be part of your purpose. Okay? Faithfulness is the currency of the kingdom, so let him spend it. You store it up for him. Okay, idleness. It's another word for laziness, but it's biblical, so it sounds better. Proverbs 15, 19 says, For lazy people, life is a path of, that is overgrown with thorns and thistles. For those who do what is right, it is a smooth highway. Oh, we picked the right song. Life is a highway. There we go. Okay. Why is a lazy person got thorns and thistles? Because they're not working at anything. Weeds just take over if you don't work hard. Okay. A smooth highway means I worked at it really hard. If you're idle, you will get into trouble. I have not counseled one person in my 20-whatever years of ministry that has been idle, that does not have a sin problem. It is always hand in hand. Because too much time is not good for anyone. Okay? You're not the exception to the rule. That's all I'm going to say about that. That was a good mom chat, right? Out of bed, get a schedule, get to bed on time, work hard. God will find you. Purpose will find you, okay? Elisha had obedience in him and favor on him, okay? Elisha was just obedient. He knew the moment he saw Elijah. It just, here it is. Here comes my destiny walking over the field, okay? Can I just say that you can be that prepared in your spirit? You can be that prepared that you can sense it coming. Elijah or Elisha, whoa. <laughs> okay, Elijah comes and says what he says, throws his mantle on him. The guy kisses him in an instant. He's prepared inside. God's already talked to him. And let me pause right here. That does not mean that Elisha woke up this morning and saw Elijah coming over the field and knew the mantle was coming over and knew that he'd get a kiss there was something in his readiness that knew what faithfulness would bring to him. Okay? Purpose feels like something. He knew it. Okay? Elisha gave a quick yes, but obedience has a price tag. Am I being way too harsh? Okay. Okay. So one more thing. <laughs> well, maybe a few more. Just because, oh, I'm over time, too. Sorry. Anyway, obedience has a price tag. A price tag that actually the Bible says that you should count the cost of following Jesus. Okay? Following Jesus leads you to your purpose, right? We're all getting that? Okay, count the cost. Count the cost before you say your big whoop-de-doos and your big yeses, and shout your dreams all over Instagram, count the cost. Who's not going with you? Who might not understand? There's a cost. Elisha had to leave his family. That's hard. That's not an easy day. That's a brokenhearted mother and father saying, see you, I hope later, maybe not, because they don't have phones and all the technology we do, so you have to kind of picture it. A goodbye is a goodbye. Okay? Count the cost of obedience. You'd have a quicker yes if you had a mature counting of the cost inside of you. Instead of it being God's just going to make a way, 
It's going to be easy streets, and streets of gold for me. God's just going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, which means I'll never be in lack, and I'll never be sick. Nothing will ever go wrong because I said yes. No, that's immature. On the day of trouble, I'll be with you. So in your obedience, look for God. In your trouble, look for God. In your purpose, look for God. Stop looking everywhere else. Look for God. Okay? Our obedience to the kingdom needs to be established in us so that we might have to change some things. Okay? When the kingdom is established, it's upside down from worldly values. Okay? Everybody heard the term upside down kingdom? Okay, you're a part of it. So stop trying to be on the right side all the time. You're actually upside down. So some of your friendships might need to change. Some of your self-talk might need to change. Some of your dreams might need to change. Some of your values might need to change. Some of you, your occupations might need to change. Some of you, your heroes might need to change. Some of you, how you steward finances might need to change. Those are just a few. It's an upside-down kingdom. Find your purpose in the kingdom, not in this world. Do that with maturity. Okay? When Elisha used his giftings and served Elijah, he was building up Elijah. He wasn't building Elisha kingdom. He was building Elijah kingdom. Not that there was one. It was just the kingdom of God. But you know what I mean? He was serving somebody else's dream. Upside down kingdom. You want to be great? Serve. Okay? If you use your gifts for the advancement of others, it will build favor in your life. If you don't steward favor well, guess what? It can be lost. In the New Testament, it says that God, or Jesus grew in favor with God and man. Which implies that you have to grow your favor with other people. Which implies that you can lose it. So don't do that. Okay, Colossians 3, to 24 says, Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your, er- those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work wholeheartedly as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Okay? Elijah had a ready, Elisha had a ready spirit to serve. So should we. I'm telling you now, if you have a job, serve well. Work hard. Be a blessing to your boss. Nobody likes really being a boss. It's lonely. Because as soon as you walk away, everybody starts talking and you know it. What if you, okay, how many people are in this room? Did we do a count? 89 people. Okay, so let's just put this in a workforce. Boom. If this was all of Grimsby and you were all employed right here, and you guys all worked for the Lord in your job, which means your speech, your thought life, how you treated others, how hard you worked, you worked diligently as unto the Lord, what would workplaces be like around here? They'd be off the charts. They'd have excellence. You mop the floor without asking? What the heck? Bosses would be like, are there more of you? Okay, and I will testify to this, that there, a few years ago, I walked into a store where one of our interns worked, and a boss said to me, do you have any more of these? I don't know what you did to them, but these people work hard. And I was like, yes, I do. 
but they can't work Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Just saying. <laughs> okay? You should be a shining example of what hard work and diligence looks like because you have purpose behind it. I'm not here just to mop the floor. I'm here to mop the floor and pray in the spirit and make sure this atmosphere bends to the atmosphere that I bring. I'm here to serve people so that they can see Christ in me. So that maybe if somebody's having a horrible day and they're yelling at me, say, can I pray for you? Are you okay? And really mean it. Not, oh, I think that person should go home. Okay, sorry, that, that's my mom. She's like the sweetest lady unless you cross her in retail. And she's like, should you go home? Maybe you shouldn't be at work today. You're not doing your job very well. And I'm like, I'm just going to be over here in the clothing rack <laughs> trying to blend in. <laughs> it's hilarious. And then she's totally back to sweet. She's like, I'm sorry. That just shouldn't be how we work for the Lord. And I'm like, but they're not even saved. She got high standards. <laughs> anyway, workplaces would be like knocking down this door. Where did you get these people? Because this generation stands out as people who just pull out their phone every five minutes because they're um, occupied by other things. Okay? What if you never touched your phone at work? What if you were like intuitively ahead of the schedule that at 3.05 the boss didn't have to come and say, can we clean the tables now? What if you were like, it's 3.05 and all the tables were already clean. And I restocked the cups. I'm just saying if you work at Tim Hortons, that's the time to do it. Okay? <laughs> have a ready spirit. It will serve your purpose. If you're ready to work hard, he will find you in your faithfulness, but your ready spirit will know its purpose. Okay? They work hand in hand. So, okay, I'm, I'm going to go here again. So we're going to do one more of these. Dreams are good. Dreams are good. They're necessary, and some of them are God-given. Okay? But there has been a generation for like 10 years that is waiting for this big golden key and this big shining moment for your dreams to come alive in one second. Like, I will know my destiny when I'm in it. It happened today. Uh-uh. That's not how God works. He works through faithfulness. Joseph didn't get promoted to Pharaoh's house in one day. That was years. Years of training your heart and your soul and your mind to love the Lord your God and to serve with excellence and to be a faithful steward. Okay? So, do I think dreams are good? Yes. But if you're off in la-la land and you're just, God will do it. I don't know. I don't have to work. He's going to provide. No, he's not. He's not, you're going to have to partner with him, okay? Your dream is not going to land on your lap one moment while you're sitting at home gaming. It just isn't going to happen. It's going to meet when you're meeting people, when you're faithfully stewarding what's on your life. Read the Bible. If you want what God wants for your life, read the God of the Bible and intersect them, okay? That was good, okay? Yep. Here's the other thing about Elisha. Get this. He said yes without knowing every detail. Can you say that of yourself? When God calls you, are you like, yep. I have no idea what I just said yes to, but yes. No, we need like 15 pages of, okay, on July 28th, that's going to happen. And then we're sure to move one step. And what now, God? What about just a yes and move? Elisha was like, yes, and he didn't know every detail of the promise. Can you move without knowing every detail? Because if you can't, work on trusting God. 
and literally I'm being super kind here, build a journal where you find history with God. Of God, you were faithful there. You were faithful here. You were faithful here. Why am I so distrusting? Because I have this pain here. Well, then I'm going to give you this pain because this seems to be interrupting my yeses. And I'm going to let you heal this part so that I can continue on this part. Does that mean there'll never be pain again? No. But can you trust him? Yes. 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 Without knowing every detail, yes. It's a beautiful heart Elisha has. Okay. Dreams are not lofty imaginations. They have no obedience behind them. Dreams that are lofty imaginations will harm you. You will get disappointed with a God who didn't give you that dream. They're just fanciful thoughts. Okay, so let's wrap this up. I'm going to come and... <laughs> do the thing. I have no idea why this is a thing on a piano. I know it's a sustain, but just go to the next one. That's my thought. And this is why I'm not a musician. <laughs> All right, so you can't sit and wait for God to find you all the time. Get moving. For some of you, I just feel like Holy Spirit needs to touch your heart and your mind tonight on what you think faithfulness looks like. And it could be like a precision, precision surgery of there is some bad teaching in there. You just thought God was going to drop everything on your lap. But literally, I haven't paid attention to the entire Bible that everybody had to partner and work hard with God. Some of these people lost their lives for their yes and their purpose. But I can't give you a yes about sinful things. Okay? I want that to be a place in your heart that just feels open before the Lord tonight. Start small. If you haven't obeyed the Lord and you know it, start there. Was that a trust issue? Was that you being selfish, fearful? People's expectations higher than God's? Start there, because there's probably some repentance deep within that needs to occur, some soul searching. Who's first here? Who do I say that I love? Maybe it's me. That's an ugly truth. But if God gave you a purpose and you're not walking in it, there's something holding you back. And tonight, I do believe Holy Spirit is sweet enough, and he's good enough, and he's kind enough to lead us into the truthful places that reveal those things to us so that we can start small. We can put faithfulness to the test. We can start moving and gaining momentum with him. So tonight, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to leave for at least four minutes, okay? I want you to put your phone on airplane mode if you don't have a journal. So you're going to grab your journal or a phone, put it to the notes page or your Google Docs, whatever generation you're in. And I want you to ask the Lord, am I moving? What is my purpose? Have I let you encounter my destiny? Have I let you whisper into the deepest places of me? 
And then am I working hard? Am I being the servant that you thought I would be? Am I a good reflection of my heavenly father in my workplace? In the dreams that you've given me, am I reflecting hard work in those dreams? And I don't mean ambition, I mean hard work. And here's a good one. Do I have a dream in the kingdom of God? And they sound like separate things, but they should collide. Your purpose and the dream of God in the kingdom should collide. You can be an amazing school teacher and have a natural gift there, but add the kingdom. What's the kingdom element God wants you to bring? What's the purpose? Don't just have function in your life, have purpose. Okay? And then have I stewarded favor in my life that has benefited anyone else? Because Elisha did. He left everything, stewarded the favor on his life for Elijah's benefit. It's part of his call, part of his purpose. And if you can't think of anyone, your next question is, Lord, who can I serve? Who needs what I have? Here's where it's important. Again, we're going to go full circle. If you downplay your purpose, you have no idea how to serve with it. You have a purpose. So I'm just going to pray, and I, I literally just want you to take a few minutes with nobody else talking to you and let God talk to you about those things, okay? So, Father, I just thank you for the destiny and the purpose that is in this room. Father, I thank you that since the beginning of time, you saw this moment. You saw these lives. You saw these people serving you in the kingdom of God. And so, Father, I ask tonight where the enemy has tried to encroach upon the God-given destiny in hearts and minds that, Father, you would raise a standard tonight that your warring angels would come and surround each heart and each mind and each spirit, that, Father, they would set their minds on you. Father, that their thoughts would be on what is pure and what's lovely, what is right, what is of good report. And, Father, that the enemy would flee in every direction tonight. That, Father, where there's been heaviness and weightiness, God, I ask that you would come and bring your life into the purpose. God, where there's been an attack on purpose, God, I ask that you would stand and defend tonight. Lord, that there would be just that feeling of being surrounded by our Heavenly Father, that He's got us and He's defending us. Father, I ask for where there's been idleness and laziness, God, that you would convict. Father, that your hand of grace would be upon these ones to be the best workers, that they would stand out, that, God, you would give them passion and purpose in everything that they put their hand to because they literally are serving you. So, Father, I ask that you would ignite a new joy tonight in serving in your kingdom. Father, I ask that where there needs to be obedience, that, Father, there would be a break with wherever their heart has turned to be against you in purpose. God, I ask for obedience tonight in the name of Jesus, that, God, there would be a counting the cost that is literally done in the body, soul, and spirit that every part of them would agree with your ways, no matter what it cost them. God, I pray that in this room, there would be a remnant tonight of ones that rise up and say, God, whatever you ask, I'm here. Whatever you need, I'm here. Whatever you have purposed for my life, God, I'm here. And Father, I ask that you would just pour that out tonight 
in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that you want to give dreams and visions. So, Father, I ask for clarity in the atmosphere that your Holy Spirit would be able to dream over these ones, God, these faithful ones, that they'd steward what you breathe into them tonight in the name of Jesus. And Father, I bless them. I bless every moment of their life to come, that, God, you would put a grace on them the grace to walk in your Holy Spirit with what they can't do by themselves because they weren't meant to do it by themselves. So, Father, grace them to walk with you and to love you every day of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. For more information, please visit us at lakemount.ca or follow us on Instagram at lakemountya. Have an amazing week and we hope to see you soon.